All right, so so tonight we are continuing our our new series that we began last week, uh, Q and A. How many of you guys were here for that? You guys enjoy that? Um, we're we're answering your questions. Uh, you've got questions about life, about faith, about God, about relationships, um, whatever it may be. You you submitted your questions, and so now we're trying to answer those from a biblical perspective. And um, so tonight's question is this: Is how do I worship? Okay, so how many of you have ever wondered how to worship? You know, how, how do you worship? You know, what's that all about? Um, maybe you've seen other people worshiping and, and wondered what it's all about. You know, what, what does that mean to them? What does it mean to God? Um, is that proper? What, do I, what am I supposed to do? Um, maybe you thought it was kind of weird. Uh, let me let you know, first off, it's not weird. It's exactly what God designed us for, is to give Him worship, give Him glory. And to have that relationship with him. But before we answer that question, um, I think we have to kind of go back and define what worship is first. So, uh, what is worship? Okay, we're going to try to answer that question and talk about that. How many of you have been to a worship service? I'm air quoting here. Worship service before, right? It's usually uh, usually easy to think of worship as uh, the music part of the church where there's music and lights and a guy dressed in a striped v-neck with an undercut and a beard and skinny jeans playing a guitar, right? Uh, or maybe some of, some of you think um, of the word worship and think of a certain religion, um, maybe bowing down to their God, you know, worshiping their God. Um, some of you may think worship as like the different ceremonies done on Sunday, like the whole Sunday experience, like everything that goes on uh, maybe in a church at a Sunday experience. Um, maybe you think of it as like a prayer time, perhaps. Um, maybe you think of worship as a super spiritual experience that you don't really feel connected to at all. And that's okay. There's a lot of views on what worship is. So I want to unpack a little bit about what worship is, okay? So before we answer the question of how do we worship, let's answer the question of what is worship. And after doing that, hopefully by the end of this, you'll be able to answer the question of what true worship is, and then also how to worship, okay? Uh, when I began to put tonight's message together, I found that one of the very first instances in the Bible where worship is mentioned is by Abraham in Genesis. I didn't really know this um, until I was kind of looking into it. And what happens is uh, in Genesis chapter 22, God has just told Abraham to go take his son Isaac, take him on the mountain, and to sacrifice him as a burnt offering to him. Okay, And here's what it says in Genesis 22, beginning with verse 3. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servants, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship, and then we will come back to you. Okay, so now it's important to understand that Genesis was originally written in the Hebrew language, okay? Why is that important? Well, in this passage, uh, the Hebrew word for worship is shachal. Can you all say that? Shachal. You got to get that. <laughs> Perfect. It sounds, that's exactly how they said it. Shachal primarily means, <laughs> I might not even be saying that right. Primarily means, um, it means to make oneself low, 
but it also means to maybe bow or to stoop, stoop down like an act of submission or reverence. Uh, in this verse, it's talking about lifting God up and making yourself lower than him. So they were going up to Shachal, lift God up, make themselves lower on the mountain, and then they said, I'll come back to you. So that's what Abraham and his son were going to do. Of course, if you remember the story, he was obedient to God. How many of you would have been obedient to God if he asked you to sacrifice someone you loved the way he did here? That would be hard, right? It would be very difficult. But Abraham obeyed took his son on the mountain, and just before slaying him, God provided a ram that was caught in the thicket, right? And they sacrificed the ram instead, and his son was spared. But I think this passage is one of the best representations of worship, maybe in the entire Bible, just because of what is going on here. So let's talk about what's going on. All right, so what is worship? The first thing is, worship is obedience to God. Um, Abraham was, was obedient to God. God said, hey, Take your son, Isaac, go up to the mountain. And you got to understand, before he went to the mountain, he had to cut firewood. He didn't have a chainsaw. It wasn't like, I'm done. You know, he's sitting there chopping on these logs, thinking about sacrificing his son, however long that might take. That would have to be agonizing. But he was obedient to what God had said for him to do. And, and that was the case with God asking him to, to sacrifice his son. He did it. But he also had faith in doing it, that God would provide a lamb, and God did. You may not think of obedience uh, to God as a definition of what worship is, but if we believe the true meaning of the word worship, like it's written in this passage that we just read, then it's very clear that Abraham is all about that. He was obedient to God, and what did God do? God saved his son, right? So worship is obedience to God. That's the first thing. The second thing is this, worship is submission to God. Worship is really about you and I submitting ourselves to God. What does that mean? Well, that is taking anything and everything that that we think is more important and listening to what God has to say and putting that ahead of our own desires, okay? That's really hard to do, okay? Because we have very much uh, made up our mind, in many cases, what we want to do in life, or what we want to do that day, or in that moment. And when the Lord speaks to you, submitting to Him is an act of worship. That's one uh, reason why, um, maybe during a music service, for example, people who are worshiping God in a music service often uh, kneel down, or you see them raise their hands. It's like an act of submission, right? You put your hands up, you submit, right? You're saying, I'm laying everything else aside, and I'm giving it to you, God. Or you're declaring, my hands are up. I yield to you, you know, and that's just an act. Just a, it's just a response. Okay, the act of worship is us letting go of what other people think of us and letting God know what it is we think of Him. The act of worship is us letting go of what other people think of us and letting God know what we think of Him. And so that's why we worship in the response in the way that we do when we raise our hands. and And there's a listen. There's a war going on for your worship. You may not understand that. Um, but you need to be aware of it. Um, in Isaiah chapter 14, the Bible talks about Satan. How many of you in this room knew that Satan used to be an angel? Anybody? Okay, that's awesome. He did, and his name was Lucifer. Uh, and his name meant day star, or it also meant light bearer. That was what his name meant. Remember that meaning, because we're going to go back to it. So there's a passage in Isaiah where Lucifer is trying to make himself equal 
with God. And he rebels with five statements where he says, I will. I want to read those to you here. It says this in Isaiah 14. You said in your heart, I will ascend to the heavens. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit enthroned on the mount of the assembly. I will ascend above the tops of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. And this is Satan trying to become like God, okay, in this verse. He would not submit to God. Why would he do that? I mean, just think about this. He's in heaven with the creator, the most powerful, most high. He's, he's given him his name, and he's wanting to be more than that. He has probably got a great job, you know, and he's just going to blow it like that. But why would he do that? It's because he wants your worship. And so that's why, if he can, he'll try to convince you that anything and everything is more important than God, even the things that seem like they are good or even the things that actually are okay and are good. He will use those things to try to convince you that they are more important than God. What was his name? Lightbearer. Satan, Lucifer, was an angel of light. He came as an angel of light. So what he comes to you with to try and turn your gaze from God isn't always blatantly bad things. He'll come with the good things, too, to entice you. He's a liar. He's a deceiver. He's an adversary to God, so he's going to do everything against what God has put in place and what God has said is truth. He will try to twist that and to convince you, and he'll try to keep you in darkness because he's all about darkness. If he can keep you alone and keep you in darkness, then that's exactly where he wants you because he knows that you're, you're not going to come out to see the light, to let everything be seen so that that God can, can minister to you, and you're not going to submit to God if you don't do that. And that leads us to the next characteristic of worship. Okay, so we talked about worship is about submission. Next thing is worship is about getting rid of idols. In Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 11, I'm not going to read all the verses, but I'm going to give you a paraphrase of what happened. Jesus had just fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. He didn't eat anything for 40 days and 40 nights. Who wants to do that? Anyone? So, a lot of people think that this was weakening Jesus. It was making him weak so that maybe he would give in to Satan when he was tempted. But Jesus was actually drawing closer to God. He was actually being strengthened by God. So Satan comes to him, and he tempts him three times. And the first time, he tells him, if he is really the Son of God, to turn the stones into bread. Jesus was fasting. He's probably naturally hungry, right? And Jesus has the power to do this if he wanted to. So Satan comes and says, turn these stones into bread. If you are who you say you are, turn them to bread. And Jesus is like, no man can live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Okay, so the second time, Satan takes him to the top of the temple and says, jump, your angels will save you. But Jesus said, the word of God also says you shouldn't test the Lord your God. Then Satan takes him up on a very high mountain and shows him all the kingdoms of the world and says, I'll give you all of this if you'll bow down and worship me. And Jesus says, okay, that's enough. Once you step into the worship realm, it's getting serious, right? So Jesus said, you should only worship God. When it came to the issue of worship, um, you can tell it was a big issue to Jesus. So there's a battle going on for your worship, like we talked about. Like the enemy is battling for your worship. Society is battling for your worship. Culture is battling for your worship. Any and every natural, every natural thing that is, is you're surrounding yourselves with, that you're coming into contact with, the circumstances of your daily life, those things will battle and go to war for your worship. It's so easy to fall into idol worship, which is putting something else before God. And that's exactly what idol worship is, putting something first before God. And now you may, you may not 
do idol worship like <laughs> you have a little statue and I'm going to bow down and worship you, you little carved stone, you, you know, it may not be something like that. But uh, a lot of us tend to worship um, other things, right? Like uh, maybe maybe ourselves. We worship, you know, our image, um, clothing, stuff, stuff worship. You got your little thingdom, you know, going on. Uh, other people, maybe it's a relationship, um, money. Some people worship money. Some people worship their future. They're all about, you know, my future is the only thing on my mind. Worship is actually more than just just praying to something. Um, what you worship is whatever has your heart the strongest. And in the society we live in, um, we can worship, you know, anytime we want. This is not the case everywhere. You know, there's some places where they're hiding to have church services, you know, and they couldn't just come into a public place like this. They'd be they'd be attacked or arrested or worse. And but we live in a free country in the sense that we have the freedom of religion so that we can worship any time we want and any any way we want any place that we really want to worship. We can do that. Um, So there are many ways and methods that we have for worship. And so when we talk about what worship is, a common theme is this. It's not about us, okay? It's about God. It's about giving God glory. It's about surrendering to Him, okay? It's about putting away idols. Um, it's about the, the act of surrender to God. And if you can ask yourself the question, is what I'm doing today, am I making a choice to surrender to God in it? That's a question you should be asking. And that goes for whatever we're doing, giving Him our best and surrendering ourselves um, and whatever we want for what he wants for us, okay? So that's a, a kind of a paraphrased short version of what worship is. And since we have to answer the initial question, let's go to that one. So how do I worship? How do I worship? So whenever you see somebody in a church worship service, uh, what do you see? And I'm talking about like, you know, usually at church, um, typically maybe during the music part. But you also see this type of thing during like the message being given, a sermon or something like that. But sometimes you see people who are, are kneeling, right, on their knees. Uh, you might see them clapping, maybe raising their hands, right, um, singing, shouting, maybe even dancing, you know. Uh, one of the most beautiful things, I think, is when people raise their hands to worship God, okay. Uh, now, worship is a noun. We talked about what worship was, but worship is also a verb, um, Worship is a lifestyle that we should live toward God, okay? So it's an act. It's a response to God. Worship is a response to God. Whenever you have something to be thankful for, there, there should be a response to that, don't you think? I mean, don't you think that's proper, like, to have a response to something that you're thankful for? Someone gave you $1,000, you'd be thankful, right? And you should want to express your thanks to them in some way. You give them a big hug. You'd say thank you. You'd like, you may cry, you may feel emotional, whatever it is, you have a response to that because you're so thankful. To God, we have so much more to be thankful for than anything that we could, we could be gifted here on the earth. He's blessed us with life. He bought us with a price. He sent his son to die for our sins. He takes care of us. He loves us. He never fails us, never leaves us. So, we're talking about the response of God and how we worship. We're going to do a little illustration here. We're going to demonstrate. I'm going to show you some ways that people respond and raise their hands in worship, okay? But before we begin, I have to give credit where credit is due. Um, This is actually, this comes from Tim Hawkins. He's a uh, comedian, Christian comedian. So this is where this this hand-raising thing came from. So here we go. I've asked Colton 
to come and help me with this one. Come on up, Colton. Everyone give Colton a hand. Yeah? Yeah. <clears throat> so, as I read these, Colton is going to demonstrate what these may look like. And we have not practiced before this, so this should be fun. It's great. So there are a lot of different hand uh, raises that can be used, and there's actually names for some of the uh, hand raises, okay? So the first one, you're at the church, music's rocking, you start with both hands in your pockets, okay? You're cool, but you're not ready to go all in just yet. You're just getting warmed up. You just kind of flap your elbows, little elbow flap. All right, you're just getting warmed up. Once you're warm, <clears throat> you're going to start with the next one. Carry the TV. And this one, your hands are out of your pockets, but not above your waist yet. You're mimicking the position of carrying a, a mid-sized flat-screen television. It's time to go big screen. Big screen's a little wider. <laughs> big screen's a little wider. You're getting a little braver, right? <clears throat> Next one. The fish was this big. The fish was this big. If you're telling a fish tale, open up your arms a bit. We know you're lying. Grace, we know. Grace, you know, we have grace. It's okay. Next one, hold my baby. Here your arms are extended straight outward with the palms facing upward as if you're getting ready to receive someone's infant child. Hold my baby. Then you've got what we call dueling light bulbs. It's, it's like you have both hands out to your side and you're screwing in some light bulbs with each hand, shaking the hands back and forth. That's called dueling light bulbs. Y'all ever seen that one? Okay, y'all can do this next one. It's called goalpost. Everybody knows that one, goalpost, right? Goalpost. Hold the goalpost. Throw in a heartburn. Throw in a heartburn. Take one of your hands, tap your chest for the heartburn. All right? All right. Double heartburn. Right back to goalpost. <laughs> this next one's a favorite. It's a favorite. Classic, a favorite. You'll recognize this. The Mufasa. <laughs> can you worship with one hand? Of course you can worship with one hand. A lot of women like to wash the window. Wash the window. Wash the window. How many of you have all seen a woman wash the window? Wash a window. You can wash two windows if you want to. Yep. Clean in a big window. And when you're comfortable with those, go for the big three. Village people. Rocky. Touchdown. There you go. That's our hand raises of worship. <laughs> Thank you, Colton. Awesome. <laughs> There's a lot of way to raise your, ways to raise your hands, right? And I know most of you have probably seen a lot of those. For real. Um, but seriously, I know that some of you have probably um, never, ever really uh, like kneeled before, or maybe you haven't ever raised your hands in worship. But you know, just, um, just getting in that uh, position of worship, that position can change the attitude of your heart. Um, a position of worship can actually change the attitude of your heart. And I know that sounds crazy, but when you get yourself in the position, when you're thankful to someone and you're showing them, like, it, if you hug someone who gave you something awesome, that changes the attitude of your heart for that moment, doesn't it? And that's what worship is about. It's like getting your attitude of your heart changed and getting your heart in a position um, to focus on, on God. And raising your hands, closing your eyes during worship can help you focus on, on God instead of what's going on around you. <clears throat> Just a little something. If you've never kneeled or raised your hands to God, I, I dare you. You know, go, go home tonight, and I believe most of you probably talk to God in your heart or uh, maybe in your head, just, you know, you, you, maybe you talk to God and you pray. But I dare you to go home, go to your room, somewhere quiet, by yourself, kneel before God, or raise your hands to Him and just pray. Things change in that position. They really do. So, uh, Colossians 1.16 says, All things were created by Him and for Him. 
So why not worship him freely? They were created for him, everything, and that includes us. There's only one who's really worthy of our worship. Um, we, we, we keep on striving and buying stuff or longing for something or trying to belong to something, but nothing can really satisfy like God can, nothing. Um, we, when we give our lives over to Jesus, Jesus, we actually find ourselves. And um, the fact is nothing else can bring satisfaction um, that he can give. And, and, and even though some of you have given your lives, I know a lot of you have given your life over to Christ, but you still have to, to make that choice to give those things over to him. You know, that's still a daily thing. That's your, that's your sacrifice of worship, you know, or laying aside the things that, that are holding you back or that are becoming distractions and actually worshiping God. Jesus said, I have come to give you life and that life in abundance. That means he wants to give us a full life. Yes, you have a life right now. Most of us do. We have a life right now, right? <laughs> but he wants to give you a full life, like one that is more than anything you could ask or imagine. That is his desire for you. And it's a good thing. It's not a, it's not a rules thing where you can't do. In fact, following Jesus is more freeing than anything that you can, you can find here on earth. Anything. Following him. So only he can truly satisfy. It's how he set it up. And it's his love that he wants to show you. Every one of us in this room has something to worship about. We all have something greater than us. And that's God who's given it all for us. Um, and when you realize what he saved you from, remember... Um, we talked about all have sinned and, and missed God's standard. We all fell short. You know, we all missed the mark. That's what sin is. It's basically missing the mark, you know. We've all done that. But when you begin to get a glimpse of the love that he has for you, um, you can respond with that in mind, and you can worship him anytime and in any circumstance of life. 